Good morning. I want to greet you in Christ's name. It's good to be here with you to worship the Lord together. The message this morning is entitled Thanksgiving 1456 B.C. Our text this morning is going to be taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 2 and verse 7. It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. And we have so much to be grateful for this Thanksgiving season. Gratitude is a good thing. It's a virtue that makes lives beautiful and relationships to flourish. It's honoring to God who has given us these good things to enjoy. It's good to step back and contemplate the goodness of God in our station in life. And it's all about remembering. Thanksgiving celebration is about remembering. It was gratitude that caused an old man to go out every Friday evening on the east coast of Florida with a big bucket of shrimp. This old man, even old back in 1973, his name was Eddie Rickenbacker. Eddie Rickenbacker would go out on this old broken down pier on the east coast of Florida with a bucket of shrimp for the seagulls. And he would stand out there and, and toss out these shrimp for the seagulls to eat. Many years before, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission to deliver a message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. He had been a famous World War I uh, flying ace. He was a, later a uh, race car racer, owner of the Indianapolis 500, and the founder of Eastern Airlines. Eddie Rickenbacker had flown many times before and had faced near-death experience, but this was an, there was an unusual experience that he had as he flew the, the Pacific Ocean he lost radio contact and he, he got off course through a tailwind that he hadn't calculated and they ran out of fuel on the old B-17 that they were flying and they ended up ditching. He and his crew of, I don't remember how many, I think it was eight or nine people on this, on this airplane and they ended up ditching the airplane. And they had a life raft that they were all sitting around out there in, in, uh, in the ocean and they fought the weather, the scorching sun, and many sleepless nights as the, as the sharks kept bumping that raft. And uh, the one thing that faced them above everything else was starvation. They were going to die pretty soon. Something didn't happen. And uh, it was a miracle that would be needed, and a miracle did happen. Eddie Rickenbacker describes the experience. He was sitting on this raft, all these men sitting around in a circle around this big raft, and he felt something land on his hat. And he didn't know what it was for sure, but he looked at the faces of the men sitting around him, and he could see that they saw it too. This seagull had landed on top of his hat. And he was there not daring to move, and he was watching the expressions of the faces of the men around him. 
And he knew that he wanted to try to, to capture this seagull. So he reached up and grabbed the seagull. And that seagull was their salvation. That seagull provided some food, <laughs> sparing food, and some fish bait, which they used then to get their sustenance. And they survived this trek out in the ocean. And every year, as he got older, Captain Rickenbacker would go out and feed the seagulls in remembrance of the salvation that he experienced out over the uh, eastern, western Pacific. We, too, are remembering this week, through our Thanksgiving celebration, the goodness of God to us. It is a time of remembrance. Our country has set aside this coming Thursday as a day of Thanksgiving. And we gather, typically as Americans, as families, to, to eat together in celebration of Thanksgiving. It's a good thing. We as Americans have so many things to be thankful for, to remember, to thank God for. We have plenty of food. We have shelter and clothes. We have family around us. We have a country where we can live peacefully. And as Christians, we have even more to be thankful. We have all of the above, plus the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. We can worship without fear of reprisal. We have our church family. Above all, we have Jesus. We have Jesus who gave himself for us. And it's entirely fitting that we should set aside a day of thanksgiving to celebrate. I encourage you as you're sitting down eating turkey or whatever you do for Thanksgiving this week that you remember and are indeed grateful because we can get so wrapped up as this Sunday school lesson was about this morning, we can become so selfish, so focused on ourselves that we don't reach out. Our mind doesn't travel like it should to, first of all, to God for his goodness. Our text this morning is found in Deuteronomy 2, verse 7. It says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. The setting here is one in which Moses is standing in front of this huge crowd of people. Probably a, a, a million people or more. I don't know how in the world he, they all heard him speak, but he is there giving his, his, his last address to these people. They had gathered on the plain of Moab, and the slide that we're looking at this morning is, is, a, is a picture from Mount Nebo looking out toward the Jordan Valley and Jericho. There was a time of remembering set there some 3,500 years ago in the Middle East, on the edge of the wilderness, a large group of travelers were there. It was probably not on the fourth Thursday of November, like we do, when they gathered there. They didn't put on big black hats and brass buckles, and they didn't have turkey as the main dish. They didn't have dressing and gravy and cranberries and pumpkin pie. But they were there gathering in, if you will, a, a time of remembrance. And I think Moses was leading them in a time of thanksgiving. He was reminding them of what God had done for them. And God has been there for us as well. 
I would like to use Moses' words as a reminder for us today in this assembly, in this church building, a reminder to remember with thanksgiving. Have you had a good year? And I'm not, I'm not looking for a response. I want you to be thinking just a little bit. Have you had a good year? Some of you have. Some of you have had a really good year. Some, some have had a tough year. But it is a time to remember. And as you remember, as you remember God working in your experience, we need to remember with thankfulness the way that God has been there with us through these times. Whether they were good times, whether they were exciting times, or whether they were maybe like these times that these Israelites had experienced going through that desert for 40 years. It was a long, dry spell, let me tell you. These people had gone through a long spell. They could have gone in to the land of Canaan some 40 years earlier, but they got scared and they rebelled and, they, and God so caused them to wander some 40 years until the older generation had all passed away except for a couple of people. And the rest of these were young people who had grown up in the desert. They didn't know anything else but the desert. And uh, now Moses was telling them about God and how they should be grateful to God for what he had done for them. Thanksgiving 1456 B.C. and today. I want to look at four areas that we need to be especially grateful for as we remember this past year. We're going to be looking at God's provision, God's presence, God's purpose, and God's patience. And the first topic is that of God's provision. You have lacked nothing, is what Moses told those people. You have lacked nothing. That is God's provision. God gave them manna from heaven to eat. And the question is, what is it? Israelites asked, what is it? And that's what the word manna means. What is it? They didn't know what it was. Small round substance that came down like dew overnight. And they were to go out and gather that substance and, and eat that. And they had that manna and they ate it for 40 years. And it kept on coming down until they got the new uh, food from the new land of Canaan after they entered Canaan. They were, they were to gather this food every day. If you gathered too much and you kept it over to the following day, it would, it would spoil. It was very, very perishable. On the sixth day, which was Friday, they would gather a double portion, and by some miracle of God, that portion would not, uh, would not spoil. It would stay good for the extra day. It could be baked, it could be boiled, it could be cooked in pans and made into cakes. And that was a visible sign of God's provision for them over all these years. God gave them water from a rock. God gave them quail that flew in in huge flocks when the people complained. And God took care of them in other miraculous ways. Don't need to turn there, but a couple of verses out of Deuteronomy 8. says, He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. God took care of them. God provided for them. I'd like to take that analogy to us today in our setting here in Gladys, Virginia. We have experienced God's provision this past year. Yes, we have. God has provided for us. Uh, we have good homes to live in. We have parcels of land. We have money in the bank. We are gainfully employed, most of us. And we have the promise of God to take care of us, to meet our needs in the future. He says that if his kingdom comes first in our hearts, then we don't have to worry about provision. He will take care of it. He will take care of us. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 12 and verse 27. Luke chapter 12 and verse 27. Jesus speaking about provisions for us. He says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. It's a promise that each one of us can claim as Christians. If we seek after God's kingdom and put his kingdom first in our lives, that he will take care of our natural needs, our need for provision. That's a promise that, uh, that each one of us can claim. And he wants us to claim that so that we don't worry about the future. Some of us are natural worriers. We worry about what's going to happen. And we want to, we want to make sure that things are going to happen for us the way they should. Jesus said, don't worry. You, you follow me, you follow in my steps, and I'll, I'm going to take care of you. And that's the promise that we can claim for God's provision. The second thing we should remember as we eat Thanksgiving meal today is God's presence. We should thank God for his presence. He says, these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. These 40 years, the Lord, of, Lord has been with you. And that is God's presence. And that is what we should be grateful for. Exodus 13 says, And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. God's presence went along with his people. I can imagine the first time they saw that pillar of fire, especially some of the little children, they were a little scared. It was, it was amazing. You would see a huge pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. But I can imagine as they started traveling further throughout this desert, that was a comfort to them, knowing that there, there's that pillar, there's that pillar again. It's either moving or it's not moving, and we, we are moving or we're not moving. 
It was a comfort to them, especially to Moses. Moses, I'm sure, had some real doubts as, he, as time went along, as he was leading this people. And he felt that responsibility. And I want to read a few verses. If you care to turn there, you could. Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, I want to read verses 12 to 17. Exodus 33. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I, I and your people? Is it not your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. Turn now to Psalm 139. I want to read a few verses from Psalm 139. Verse 5. Begin reading at verse 5. Psalm 139 says, You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, for it is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in, in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. We need the presence of God to go with us. Just as concerned as Moses was out there in, those, in that wilderness, we should be also that God's presence go with us. He planned for that, and he gave the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. This Thanksgiving, as you're giving thanks, give God thanks for the presence of his Holy Spirit. God's Spirit dwells in our bodies. I don't understand how that works. But God gave His Spirit. Jesus, when He went back to heaven, He promised the Comforter would come, the Holy Spirit, and would be with us, and it would be in us. God's Spirit is within each one of us as Christians. As we go about our way, His presence is with us. It's not a pillar of cloud, a fiery big pillar, but it's His Holy Spirit living within us. He gently reminds us of the truths of the scripture. He prompts us. He guides us into all truth. And I think we could say along with Moses, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go anywhere. 
This Thanksgiving season, let us give God thanks for His abiding presence, His Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to remind us, and to convict us. So on our checklist of Thanksgiving, God's provision, number one. Secondly, was God's presence. And then thirdly, we want to look at God's purpose. And I take that from the words... He knows you're going through this great wilderness. He knows you're going. He knows what you're doing here. And sometimes I think we, we grapple with purpose. That came out in our Sunday school lesson this morning. We grapple with trying to understand the reason for things. What is God's purpose in this? It's hard to see. Sometimes we, we, we can't understand. But we need to, by faith, understand that God has a purpose for everything that he does to us as Christians. There is a purpose. Even though we may never, ever understand why it happened, God has a purpose for what happened. He has a purpose for everything. There is nothing that has, has happened to you that God doesn't have a purpose for that. And, and we can chafe sometimes under things that we see as senseless, that shouldn't be happening to us. And we, we, we feel like it, it would have been much better if it hadn't happened to us. I remember I was traveling. We were traveling, my wife and I, to Ontario two years ago for Thanksgiving, strangely enough. We were going up for Canadian Thanksgiving, and we started out, as we tend to do when we travel to Ontario, very early in the morning and and my big thing throughout the day, your wife, my wife could tell you, is that I like to make good progress. I'm always a progress kind of person. I'm watching the miles, and I'm trying to make good time. Well, we got out into West Virginia, uh, Route 522 through Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, Saturday morning. And all of a sudden, the traffic just stopped. Right up ahead of us, everything stopped. And people started, we saw cars starting to turn around and head back. And we were like, oh, what's going on here? What's, what's, what's up here? Town of Berkeley Springs was having a parade. Nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, the only road through town. There was no way around Berkeley Springs. No side road to go around. The high school band was playing. The fire trucks were coming. And who knows how long this was going to take. And I started to get uptight. I started to get up really uptight. Look in the map, honey. Look quick. Is there any way around this road that they've blocked off with police cars and barricades? And the interesting thing was my wife didn't seem all that concerned. She was busy on her phone. And I don't know what the text said, but it was a text back home to the children. Dad's fuming and we're stuck in Berkeley Springs. The parade can't last that long, Kathy said. It can't last that long. Let's just hang here and let, until it passes. You know, there's a little antique shop right up here up the road. <laughs> oh, man, antique schmantique. <laughs> I was not a happy camper. 
And being impatient like I am, we ended up driving way back into Virginia, around Maryland, and all the way around till we could make it around that little town of Berkeley Springs. And I, I, I think I almost, every time we go through there, I remember the parade in Berkeley Springs. I don't know why that had to happen to us. It's a small thing. But we don't understand why these things happen. But I am here to tell you that parade happened for a purpose in my life. Maybe to learn patience. I don't know. But it is, it is these things that happen to us that we don't understand. God, God has a purpose in those. And I hope as you're remembering this Thanksgiving season to, to something that happened this past year in your life that, that you wish wouldn't have happened or you don't understand why it had to happen, that you can say to God, I, I know that you have a purpose in this. I don't know what it is, but you have a purpose and you've, you've allowed this to happen, allowed me to be there. Listen to Moses in, in Deuteronomy 8. You don't need to turn there. He says, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell those 40 years. I know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. He said his purpose here for taking Israel through the desert was to humble them, to see what was in their heart, to see if they would follow his commands, to teach them that man does not live on bread alone and to cause them to be thankful. And these things are happening for us too, for our ultimate good. And we can rest assured that God is trying to work his central purpose in our lives through the things that happen to us, even if it requires discipline. We have a primary purpose in life, and that is to become like Jesus and to prepare for the future life that we are going to have. I read the story of a sailor one time who shipwrecked on a South Sea Island, and the, the locals there grabbed him and took him and put him up on a, on a throne. They made him a king. The local, he didn't know what was going on, but they took this sailor and made him a king. And over a period of time, he realized that they did this every year. They made somebody king, king for a year. He was all good with this until he suddenly started to Find out what happened to you after a year was done. Well, the, the locals had this tradition. They would make you a king for a year, and then they would take you to this little deserted island and, and let you there, and you would starve to death. So you were a king, and then you starved to death. Well, this sailor was a survivor kind of person. So in the year that he had, year to be king, he got all his natives together, and they took boats over to that island, and they built a nice place over there. They planted crops. They did have all kinds of things so that when he <laughs> retired, he was good. And that's an analogy of, of what we're to be doing here. Our whole purpose in life here is to prepare for eternity. To prepare for eternity. 
And we can be thankful that God is working with us and, and allowing things to happen to make us prepared. We can trust that he has a purpose. So many lives out there are, are so without purpose, so empty. They're crying out for meaning in their existence, not so with us. We do have meaning and purpose in our lives. The fourth and final point I'd like to make this morning is that of patience, God's patience. As we remember at Thanksgiving, God's working this past year, we should be remembering and thanking him for his patience. Lord, your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Acts 13 records the account of Paul, I believe, relating some history. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great through their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. If you would want to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 9, I want to read a few verses there. Nehemiah chapter 9. It says, You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and they did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies. You in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor a pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. God is a patient God and a merciful God. He was so patient with the children of Israel in the desert and he is patient with us. He has been so patient with me personally. When I remember how I was, how sometimes I am, and God has been patient with me, I am grateful. His mercy and his patience continues to work with us and as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week, we need to thank him for his patience. It is entirely 
appropriate that we do celebrate and that we do remember. In closing a story, I'd like you to go back with me for a few minutes and imagine that we are in a small French village in 1944 during World War II. The sun has just come up over the, in a hot August day in 1944 in the small village of Plelo in German-occupied France. There's a 15-year-old boy there, and he's being lined up with all the rest of the villagers to be shot in a firing squad by the, by the German soldiers. The German soldiers were going to, to kill everybody in that village. They didn't know exactly why, but maybe it was because they were harboring the resistance, the French resistance. All that little that boy knew, that 15-year-old boy, is that he was about to die. And I'm sure he didn't want to die. He was terrified of dying. Suddenly they heard the rumble of tanks, fast-moving tanks and some mortar fire, and a small group of U.S. tanks with about 20 GIs led by Bob Hamsley, a corporal in Patton's 3rd Army, a word had gotten to them of what was happening and they rushed over there to rescue these villagers. And this small tank unit uh, encountered the Nazis and they killed about half of them, took half of them prisoner. And the villagers were saved from being killed that day. In 1990, the town of Plelo honored Bob Hamsley on the very spot where dozens of the town's citizens would have died if not for him. The man who initiated the search for Hamsley to honor him in that ceremony was the former mayor of Plelo, the same 15-year-old boy. He was grateful for Hamsley, who had risked his own life to save his and many others, and now as a grown man had determined to find and honor him. When you're truly thankful for what someone has done for you, you will desire to express that thanks to them. And years ago, for each one of us, an even greater sacrifice was accomplished on Calvary. And for that we are very, very grateful. Most grateful. What can we do this Thanksgiving to honor the one who gave everything for us? He made the supreme sacrifice. He gave his life for us. He laid it down. We come to God as we did this morning in our prayer service before the message with our requests. And that's good. He wants to hear our requests. Sometimes I believe we should come to God with only a gift. We're not asking for anything. We just want to honor him. And this is what Thanksgiving should do for us. Today we honor him. This week we do for his goodness to us, his provision, his presence, his purpose, and his patience. We celebrate Thanksgiving this week with deep gratitude in our hearts to God for his goodness to us. Let's have a closing song. <clears throat>